0: Fox Sports is the home of Australian rugby, and this is the official Fox Rugby podcast with your host, Nick McArdle. And it is great once again to have your company on the Fox Rugby podcast. Nick McArdle with you, along with Christy Doran and Sam Worthington from foxsports.com.au. And we're joined this week by Waratah's forwards coach, Simon Cron. Cronny, welcome to you. Terrific to have you back for... Another Fox Rugby podcast.
1: Thanks, fellas. It's good to, uh, to come back.
0: And let me paint the picture. You are resplendent in your Waratahs gear, so straight yep. from training, clearly. Yep. Straight from training, straight across the town into this. So. Very good. good. Hey, um, we'll talk some rugby in just a moment, but uh, we did mention to you pre-game on Friday night before the Brumbies game, um, what had unfolded in Christchurch that day, and, and you being from Christchurch, and now you've had a couple of days to reflect, how are you feeling about... What happened on on Friday?
1: Oh, I mean, look, you know, during that day, like anyone from uh, Christchurch, you, you're receiving text messages, you know, to make sure. Like, so my wife called me in the middle of a meeting and, have you seen what's happening? And and they talk about, you know, there's seven people dead, there's a shooter in Christchurch. So, automatically, you know, you don't know where it's happening, what's happening, and and. Can you imagine? Obviously, you've been in Christchurch, and and let's say you had a, a kid in a primary school or a mm-hmm. kid at day, and you don't know what's going on, and the information in terms of what's happening. So, you know, I was lucky enough to to find out that my family were okay, and and that they were. One of them was in lockdown in a school, and one of them was at home, and and it was just trying to work out where to piece together a your family, and then where your friends are, so that you can can try to work out what's going on. And as it unfolded during the day, it became. Worse and worse in, in terms of how horrific it was and, and what was happening over there and that this lone gunman who You know for use of a better words a coward has come in and, and attacked people who are in the most innocent of scenarios when they're, they're trying to um, you know practice their religion and, and you know looking at it now and seeing what's happening over there and how, how the people are coming together it, it must be an absolute eerie feeling. You know, I've talked to some friends back home and they said it's it's really quiet, it's, you know, people off the streets and, and now there's an enormous amount of grief, outpouring of grief for the people who have lost their lives and their families uh, involved in that. But I think uh, everyone in Christchurch in New Zealand would be heavily affected by what's going on over there.
2: They're pretty resilient people um, after the earthquake, but, I mean, this is... The, the fact that there's a human, I guess, involved rather than than nature, um, it's going to be pretty hard to to bounce back. I'm sure they will, but it's, it's going to take some time, isn't it?
1: Well, it is, and I mean, like you mentioned, it's, you know, another humans decided to go and do something like this, which stung you. And he's obviously, you know, got got a massive number of issues, and but you know, the the biggest thing is you're hearing stories come out of of people who you know who stopped him at Limwood or. Um, you know, people who tried to stop him, and 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 others who were just praying at the time. So, it it is a horrific thought process to go through what some of these people have experienced, and now for the rest of their lives, and the people involved in Christchurch and people in New Zealand, um, it's going to be something that's happened there now, and and a lot of people got to live with what's happened, and it, and and he's ruined a lot of families, and you know, uh, put me in the jail cell with him, maybe might be a good idea. Mm-hmm.
3: Well, the uh, the game, of course, on. on- Saturday between the, the Crusaders and the Highlanders didn't go ahead. It would have been incredibly difficult um, for, for the for the players, particularly from the Crusaders. Uh, no right or wrong decision, I don't think, as to whether or not the game should have gone ahead. But um, it cl- clearly it would have been extremely difficult. So uh, what, 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 did you have a, a thought on whether or not oh, the game should have gone ahead?
1: No, no. Whatever those, those players and those teams decide, I back. You know, And you've got a lot of Otago guys who have been involved in people with families in Christchurch and vice versa And, and he came from Otago and drove up yeah. So for me um, I think you know, It's obviously the right decision by those two teams uh, And I back it 150% I, I, I can't imagine playing that Close to what was happening In, in, in you know, their town
2: yeah, It's obviously a, a situation much larger than the sport, but it has been nice to see the rugby community do its its small bit to tower out, and so Sunny Bills missing the game for the Blues to go down to Christchurch. To, he's obviously a proud Muslim to to raise money and and support the the families. Um, TJ Perinara spoke very well as well. So yeah, the the rugby community, of course, will, will rally around um, the sickly in Christchurch, won't they, and do do anything they can. Oh
1: yeah, hundred percent. And you can see all different groups in society in Christchurch banding together at the moment to to support each other, and I think that's really. Important, and that's a reflection on exactly what's great about you know New Zealand and Australia is people. At the end of the day, people talk about cousins in you know, Australians and New Zealand. Realistically, it's brother and sister. They have very very close knit communities, and I think when one gets hurt, the other hurts, so, you know, and I think both countries will, will band it together
2: to help each other out. Have you had a chat amongst it as the the Waratahs group? Obviously, the players will be aware of your connections and, and probably other players might have some connections as well. The... Yeah, yeah, a
1: lot of players have different connections. I mean, the, the, the biggest thing was, you know, is your family okay? Is anybody, you know, so there was that chat on game day, but at the same time, um, they had a process to go through around themselves getting prepared and I was trying to keep away from any uh, distraction from my, my point of view. So... Um, You know, the players were well aware that obviously, you know, a couple of us come from Christchurch and there's a few Kiwis in the team. So, uh, But they've been great since just asking, making sure the family are okay.
3: Well, Pete Samu. We spoke to him after the game on on Friday night and clearly he'd been part of the the very successful side of the last two years and he said that he struggled at thinking about it and was messaging members of the Crusaders right the way throughout the team and he's Mm. still got family and friends over there. And Daryl as well? Daryl, yeah. yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah.
1: Yep, yep. So, I mean, naturally, and and it puts everything in perspective, doesn't it, in terms of what's important and, Mm. and, and, you know, what was happening over
0: there was absolutely horrific and, and that was the priority. And, of course, you play the Crusaders this weekend we'll talk about that in in just a moment um there has been this push to change the name of the crusaders given the the connotations of the name in the context of what happened on friday um i've liked the response from the crusaders to say we'll we'll talk about that we'll take that on board and we will consider it we will have the conversation but now is probably not the time what's your your gut feel about that Oh look, I I kind of agree with exactly what they're saying. They, they need to be able to take a breath
1: because at the moment I don't think many people would have been able to take a breath no. post post what's happened. So, and then as an organisation, they're extremely professional. They um they they will go through the process of you know who does this affect or or does it affect other people? And also, I think the general population and Christchurch will get involved in that discussion. I'd I'd expect that you know they'll they'll talk to the different groups in the community and say how do you feel about the name and and get all their feedback, get all their information before they make a decision.
0: It's interesting that this has the potential to be one of those things where I wonder whether this suggestion has actually come from the Muslim community or whether it's, you know, others thinking that it's the right thing to do. It's really important in this context to actually discuss with the Muslim community. What do they think about that?
2: Yeah, for sure. It's not the first time the issue's come up. It has been a couple of writers in New Zealand over the years have Pointed out, hey, this this does have some pretty ugly connotations depending on on your perspective. Um, and yeah,
3: one, ju- one just last year, wasn't
2: there? Yeah, yeah, it's come up a, a couple of times. And so, yeah, I mean, the, the Crusaders are saying it's it's more a reflection of the crusading spirit of the the community. But I, I just I just think given the the stark reality of what's what's happened, they they probably should change the name. or definitely should change the name. Really, I, I, it does create a tricky situation. What, what do you call the team for the rest of the the season? And that these things are very hard to hmm. actually change, but in the short term, I think the imagery around it, you know, going around on horses with swords, that clearly um, can't can't happen what, this
3: season. What makes it even, like, brings it even more to a head is the fact that the Crusaders are the greatest super rugby side. They've got such to, a strong brand with it. it, yeah. Like, yep. You can't, what, nine-time super rugby championships and certainly favourites to, to go 3 Pete this year.
2: Yeah, yeah, so, I mean, it, it is a tricky one, but I just think it's just such a stark, Con- confronting thing That could be Very hurtful to people So yeah it's mm. my thoughts anyway
0: That discussion Will be ongoing No doubt um, So They head your way So Saturday night At uh, the SCG Back at the SCG um, What do you think Or how do you think That they will uh, Approach this game Would it be Difficult uh, as a professional sportsman to, to get up for this game? Will they be fired up in particular? I mean, what would their mindset be, do you
1: think? Yeah, it's hard to tell the approach that the coaches and players will take. I'd assume early in the week there'd be a lot of discussion around how this impacts on the team and in the background, like as a coaching staff and, and as management. Um, but I think that they are the ultimate professionals, uh, at the Crusaders, and I think that they will end up um, going to work and getting on with the job and, and doing what they do best, which is play rugby and, and you know, like anything, when when something horrific happens, sometimes the best thing you can do is be on a rugby field if you're a rugby player or, or be doing that job. And I've had that experience at Shoot Shield with players where something's happened uh, in their lives with their families and they've shown up to training that night and kind of stuns you. But um, I think they'll move on and I think they will um, be the consummate professionals on, on, you know, on game day.
0: Just on that, look at Isaac Rodder. Yeah, I, mean, I was going to say. Um, yeah. That, that game that he played it was against the Highlanders, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, under it. the roof in Dunedin. Yep. Um, what, less than 24 hours after his father had passed away and he was best on the field. Unbelievable. Yep. Yeah, and, yeah.
1: Here's an example of somebody I think who, um, you know, probably needed the rugby. Mm. And I've had that with, with one of my players who, who had a similar scenario and he was at training three hours after. And I think for him it was about trying to go to rugby to because that's what he loves doing, mm. Mm. And, and do do something.
2: Mm. So mm. it's the ultimate test, isn't it? The the Crusaders from a, a rugby perspective, um, and, and it's remarkable that they've kept those standards this season, even even without their their top All Blacks. So is that is that the message you're getting across? This is you know you want to be the best, you have got to beat the best type type message. Oh look, I think you sh- I think
1: every week you should be excited about who you're playing. I think the mistake is that we you, you treat everybody differently, and and you know that's where you have. Dips and rises in performance because you might think, oh, this team's not as good in this area, but they are, you know. And you you have those dips. I think the best thing for us is to be excited that we get to play Canterbury, and to be from the kickoff, you you know, you've got to go at them from the start. You can't wait because if you pause, if you wait for them to play, in 15 minutes, all of a sudden, like in the Reds game, they're 10 points down in you know 10 minutes. So Mm. uh, no, the boys are excited about playing them, and and um, they can't wait. So
3: We'll probably dissect the, the game on the weekend against the Brumbies in a moment But we only have to look to this time last year Or actually May last year When the Tars went across the ditch And opened up a pretty handsome lead And obviously didn't get across the line in the end But do you, how much of last year's game do you look at? Well,
1: I think it's important to look at what we did well in that game But then it's also important to learn from some of the errors we made in that game So, you know, we, we lost four forwards during that game um for whatever reason just injuries or hamstrings you know and then um we kept the ball and play too long so when we were exiting we didn't kick the ball out and as a result we had two props playing 80 minutes like coming out of a scrum and we're having a tendency because Crusaders is quite like counter-attack i'm not sure if you've
0: noticed <laughs> but, uh
1: they quite like running the ball a lot and 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 um you know there's just some key things that we did as a team that we could have done better so from that game it's really important that you learn about what was good what worked well some of the kicking, some of the turnover transition speeds and then what didn't work so well and what we, we didn't execute to, to put a lid on that game, which we should have done. So um, I think that game was in our hands and, and we didn't – We it's not that they beat us, we lost it in some of the decisions we made and I think we'll be better for
0: that. So where do you think you're at at the moment? And let's refer in particular to the last couple of weeks. So, so the Reds, a win but – by the Tars' own admission, it was, you know, had warts all over it. And then last week, uh, a loss against the Brumbies. How do you think you're travelling at the moment? Oh, look, I think that's a pretty – clear. Uh,
1: like, the boys are not um, delusional around some of the things that we need to make better. Uh, if you look at us at the moment, like in that Reds game, we had 30% position, mm. so – Look, I'd rather be the team that has 30% position and wins Yeah, sure. than 70% position and lose. But um, I think the key thing for us is you can't afford to give that amount of position away against any, any of the sides at Super Rugby. Um, so for us, it's about being more consistent. key thing for us is role clarity on some of our stuff, making sure that everyone knows their job and they execute it at pace because in Super Rugby, the biggest thing is time. Like, and if you don't have a lot of it, if you're not doing your role properly, like if we don't ball carry properly, we get slow ruck speed, then all of a sudden we've got less time. So, I think the key thing for us is to make sure that we're clear on our roles during the week and that we know how what we want to execute in this game and then we've got to make sure we do it. Um, we turned over a lot of ball in that Reds game with penalties um with turnovers with uh we had a a not straight I think there was so just little things like that that allow teams to put pressure on you and against the crusaders, the last thing you need to be doing is giving them a lot of ball mm.
2: you just mentioned the the territory a lot of teams seem to think that um, yeah, not having the ball isn't necessarily a bad thing. A lot of the time we see that in the Northern Hemisphere with their kick chase and stuff. But yeah. as a coaching staff, what, what are the key stats that you look at that you that you want um, to, to see in your favour at the end of the game? Are there any just in particular that you...
1: Uh, I mean, there's all the key core ones that you guys probably do a lot of on Fox Sports, like, for example, uh, set-piece is really important. So in terms of top quality ball, type of ball you're delivering. Uh, measures of attack, you, you, the way you'd probably order it is you go, right, what was the ball like from set piece? Gain line. Did we get gain line off that launch phase? And then were those first two rucks really fast? Because in terms of attack, you can usually trigger back to one of those things around your attack. So boom, lightning quick off the top. Didn't make gain line too slow rucks, which gave their defence time. So I think they are your four measures for us in attack. If we can do those well, you're really starting to get things moving.
0: Well, just on gain line, what, how are you how are you looking at on those stats, on that stat alone?
1: Um, look, in terms of gain line, we've actually been, not been too bad. Okay. Like um, some of our forward carries in the weekend were really good ones. We did some inside balls where we, we, we were able to get through gain line. But then just little things like sometimes the placement of the ball, not being as clean so the halfback can clear it or the halfbacks jump into one of our own bodies or we didn't clean past the ball to make that ball available faster. Mm. So around our, our ruck speed is really important. Um, but then, in terms of gain line and phase play, and like what you know you mentioned, we've just got to make sure that we our boys do our role and become a little bit more direct in some of those outside channels, so that we can get that gain line a lot easier than trying to go all the way to the sidelines. Yeah, so, that's
0: that's what I was getting at yeah, because yeah. I think that's been certainly from from our guys when I've been listening to them in, in commentary and I sit with Kafe on a Friday night. I mean, that's that's been the criticism is the yeah. The side to side stuff No no one's straightening the attack
1: And and, you know And that's the key thing for us Because in our system There is that ability To straighten up So and, And sometimes it can be A starting position Like if we start too narrow And then we try to get out Into a position And receive the ball Running sideways You get yourself in trouble So even just little things About your starting position Is really important um. So uh, 100%. And, and, you know, that's something that Christy talked to me about beforehand about um, our attack and making sure that we do straighten up and it's really important for us. But then when you look back on, for example, when Carmichael Hunt straightened up a couple, a couple of weeks ago, how hard he was in terms of his carries across game line. So we've just got to make sure the whole team are on the same page. And I think the boys are. We've got a great attacking uh, leadership group and they, you know, meet every – every Monday, Tuesday and work through you now what do we need to do between now and Saturday to make sure we're the best we can be and they picked up some things around making sure all of our guys are doing our roles uh, you can pick it up when someone's a bit slow to a breakdown and the difference that makes versus us being really fast and those first five steps we talk about getting there so there's a whole lot of areas for us to constantly work on and four games in you can kind of you can see that we've got a Few things to fix there. You,
3: you look at that Waratah side, and it's pretty much an international backline. Do you do you feel, or do you like to see, like the, the the forward pack, which you know, there's a couple of guys that have come through Shoot Shield and Harry Johnson Holmes, a youngster there. They're kind of unheralded sort of players. Damien Fitzpatrick, not really spoken about in the test frame. Would you like to see the the pack kind of get a few more phases going and and just take a bit more ownership there rather than – seeing the back line having to conjure up plays all the
1: time? Well ultimately I think we all agree the backs are pretty and the forwards do the work like uh, I say it to the boys all the time like we, you know we go into units um, and I tease our backs I say you know ring a ring a rosy boys you go over there and <laughs> for, for forwards you come with me so um, look I think there's some there's some key look Roy O'Connor on the weekend came on yep. and uh, scrum penalty straight away now he he's worked his way out of shoot shield and he's he's learning and doing a great job for us off that bench Harry Johnson Holmes you know People say, oh, Harry's played a lot of Super Rugby. Well, when you add up Harry last year, he came off that bench and he did an outstanding job and put a lot of pressure on people in that last 15 minutes. But you add up all his minutes, he played more in the first two games this year than he did all of last year. And he's doing a brilliant job as a young kid. And if you look at him against the Reds, you know, the feedback from some of the Reds boys was, cheesy he's strong. So he got in front of, of, of the time Thor and put some real pressure on him. So the key thing around those boys is just making sure that we are consistently doing that week on week and getting better, you know, um, because it, with some of those guys as they start to come through, it's about learning that consistency. And, and you know, we, we we had a couple of scrums against Sunwolves where they got us, and, and that was Harry's first experience of one of those things. So he learned that, he banked it, and then the next week he came out and did a really good job. So in terms of the forwards, at, at the end of the day, we've got to do the job first and set that platform for our backs. Otherwise, they don't look that good when they don't have any ball.
2: How are you looking from a personnel perspective this week? Obviously Carmichael missed last week and Taft's left as, as well. I think Andrew is set to make his debut. Will it be for the for the Tafts?
1: Well, uh, th- at the moment we're talking between Andrew Tuala and J.P. So the two of them trained really well today and they went, like I said to them, you, you go at it today. So compete to <laughs> compete to win time, boys, you know, uh, I'm a big
3: one. You for, rub your hands at that. That would have been well, entertaining, yeah. I'm just like, like
1: yeah, there's always compete to win. And, and, and steel, mould, steal. so we need to go at each other. In the four-pack, we need to go at each other, you know, and so they both had an opportunity today. And it's about what one opens the door, you know, and, and I always talk to them about these, this is your core role, so you've got your set piece, your line at scrum time, and then, on top of that, these are the other bullets we want you to shoot. So ball carry height into contact a big work on for both of them. Um, Setting first, getting there early so that their mobility around the field. So there's a lot of stuff we work on with those guys. Um, but, we, you know, we came to the end of the day, coaches will talk tonight about their performance because you see a lot on field when you are coaching them, but you also like to look at because we film it all. Mm. Like I might be watching one line out and JP's throwing the line out behind me. So you want to see how he executed around some things we installed this week. Um, and then, you know, it'll be down to one of those two coming on the bench.
3: Upon reflection now with Taf going back after a couple of weeks, what do you think the players thought about him coming back and kind of being parachuted back into that side? What, what do you think it says about – you you've spent yep. a lot of time yep. in Shoot Shield. What do you think it says yep. about the pathways if
1: <coughs> – Well, the thing for me is Tafu is an absolute legend. So I didn't know Tafu came back. I'm not sure how much you've had to deal with him, but – that guy is a legend. Like, would I do it again in a heartbeat? Mm. And you know why I do it again because he is the type of human that comes into our environment. He's had 144 Waratahs games, so he's got a wealth of experience. We would, I would love to have him here, constantly working with a lot of our young hookers coming through. So we've got those two hookers that are, that are sitting there ready to go. But I think they grew massively over the two weeks that we had to Tafu here. So if you if you ask either of them, did you benefit? Yeah, massively. So not only did they benefit, but it allowed me to put 125kg hooker in in the opposition and replicate what the Reds can do and what what some of the other teams can do against. And then all of a sudden, Fitzy's better because Fitzy's fighting against half. So I think it was really beneficial to us. Now, obviously, him getting called back to Leicester, they had an injury or whatever, and talking back, that's what happens. But I think um, in terms of the development of our younger players, it was really good, and they will be better for having him. Here, If that makes sense yep. Sometimes rugby brains And rugby knowledge We, we lose it
0: offshore
1: mm. but Someone like him He's really beneficial He was really beneficial And the boys At the end of it like We obviously had to say Goodbye to him After the Brumbies game So the boys were like Oh he's leaving tomorrow You know um, and, and you could see how He, he was gutted Because he got pretty tight With the boys Really enjoyed his time um, But you could also see The boys were really tight With him They loved having him And the reason why Is if Our training field We finished training We then do a primers or extras afterwards just on little skill set stuff he would be one of the last off the field and he was doing it for the younger hookers so he's out there with the younger hookers working on them for at least 30 40 minutes after training and it's great because it, it, he would be one of the best scrummaging hookers in the world one of the top three I'd say so that, that's pretty useful and it's really useful for them to feel what it feels like to go against them so huge benefit
0: I get all of that I re- and uh, I agree with everything you've said because, you know, we've got to know him a bit over the years and, and the man is a legend. Yeah. But I guess in terms of pathways, mm. you know, like if you were a young hooker, would you have been cool with, with yeah, or, for want of a better term, yeah. old taff coming back and, well, I and think, having a crack?
1: I think the pathway is still there for the boys that were there. It's just that we bought them a couple of extra weeks and some more time to work on some of the things that they needed to work on. that yeah. That. To be fair, look, I'm not grey. Like with those hookers I sit down, I'm black and white. Fellas, this is the area that you need to work on, otherwise the door doesn't open. And it's look, it's professional sport, it's super rugby. So they're sitting in that pathway, but I think they will benefit from that little two-week block that they had with him and with us to keep working on them, give them more reps around stuff, so that now they have their best chance of success. Because what you don't want to do with a front rower is throw them in Mm. when when you can – look. Could they have been ready two weeks ago, potentially? But I think they are more ready now.
0: Mm, fair enough.
2: What about one of your other hookers, Tolu um Obviously, had a lot of Wallabies experience now, and and you know was firmly in the in the World Cup frame. Some are now saying that, that those discipline issues may cost him a, a place at the World Cup. Did, like, are you working with him to iron that out? Do you think he he can iron iron those? Uh, I'm not sure what you thought of the particular suspension against the the Sunwolves, but can he can he iron that stuff out of his game?
1: I'm not going to lie to you. I was surprised in the decision that they made around um, his his uh, suspension. You know, and the argument we have is they, they now have to be consistent around that decision-making process. My, the first question I'd ask is, okay, Tolu Ladu got banned. If that was J.P. Sawney who did the same thing, would it have happened? I'm not sure. Um, so that's got to go back to them and make sure that they're, you know, consistent around that decision-making process. I think Tolu, um, in that scenario – you know, he did lose his feet. You know, did he hit the knee initially on the way down? I, on my video analysis, couldn't see it, but they decided he had. So I don't think that's an intent. I don't think it was an intentional thing by Tolu. And I, if people are coming out saying, oh, he's not disciplined enough, it was a split second where he slightly lost his feet. He didn't punch somebody in the head. He didn't have a brain snap around something stupid. I don't. I think Tolu adds a lot of good things around the field. Um, and we're working on. The areas, like I said yeah, I'm black and white with the Young boys. I'm black and white with Tolu too um, And I'm black and white with Fitzy, so all our hookers We're working on a couple of key areas In his game that we can, my job is to Make him the best in the world, you know um, And he has the potential to do that We've just got to make sure that we're consistently Working on the things he needs to do to be the best In the world.
0: So without criticising Let's put the um, Suspension and and the, the length of it Uh, aside for one moment. Um, So without criticising that, are you suggesting that his reputation now means that he's got a a bit of a target on his back and he has to be a little bit better behaved than everyone else?
1: I think probably for Tolu, we talk about when you're offside taking that extra foot. I think at times he's got to do that, but without it being too detrimental to his game because he's quite an abrasive player, like an on-ball kind of guy. Mm. So what you don't want to do is say, hey, Tolu, you can't get involved in any contact zone in case you get banned. But I think um, the big thing for Tolo is just to make sure uh, that he shows the best picture he possibly can. Yep. If that makes sense.
0: And so I can't believe we're talking So much about hookers Kearnsy would be yeah. It's He'd, He'd love Absolutely. it he, he actually had some good chat In the weekend I was
1: He did to yes yeah. 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 He, did, he picked up my loose Ford's Meerkatted And popped their heads up <laughs> <Yes>. uh, <laughs> Let's just say The boys got a nice picture Of that on Monday And uh, <laughs> he was quite accurate
2: I like it He did really good He's even been appealing, Appearing on Rival Podcast The Batuta Advocate I, 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 I listen to d- him Yeah just by that. the by But yep. Stick, yep. stick with our podcast folks
0: Yeah, yep. <laughs> yeah. Leave us a review Yeah <laughs> <laughs> Um just on hookers, it's a pretty good time to be a hooker in Australia, isn't it? Because if there's a more wide open position in terms of Wallaby selection, I can't think of it, um, you get to see obviously opposition Australian hookers yep. and, and your guys. Who's yep. Who Who would you be picking? I, I think all bets are off with Scott Johnson and Michael O'Connor now yep. becoming part of this uh, selection committee. Who, who would you be picking?
1: Well, it's an interesting one. I suppose it very much depends on what – a, what type of rugby you want to play, and B, what your squad looks like. You know, you make up your squad, and I think as a coach, the first thing you do is work out, right, what type of rugby do I, want, do I want to play? And then where does my squad make make up match for, so I can play there? The mistake we make is you just pick that guy, and you're not sure what type of footy you want to play. So, Flau flying he's been playing pretty well. Obviously, Brendan Moser and, and Tolu. And Fitzy, I think all of those guys have the potential to go into a wallaby category. Fitzy's throws are really good. He's a consistent thrower for us. He's really quick and mobile around the field. You know, Tolu Ladu's really abrasive in contact, good on baller, uh, great scrummaging uh, uh, hooker as well. And, and I think Flower and, and Brandon also sit in that kind of category. They are quite abrasive. Now, the key thing there is, I suppose, it's a check decision. And, and like you say, the guys who are selecting what type of they want to play and what they need out of there, too. Uh, and I think all of those guys have more upside in them. I think all of them can get better, and I think the Super Rugby program would be the chance for them to do that. And ideally, by the end of it, they've made the decision for check or, you know, around who's the best.
2: Yep. The last time you were with us, you gave us an absolute masterclass in the technicalities of defending the, the line out rolling more. Um, the, the Brumbies were pretty good at that uh, at, at the weekend, and then the Crusaders, that's something they don't mind as well. Is that is that an area that you, I'm sure it is, that you're constant. working on, but is it a is yeah. it a particular priority at the moment? Yeah, it's always, a look, for. Oh, I believe it's a and, constant. And using it yourself as a yeah, weapon as it, well. it's
1: a constant work on. Like, it's a constant work on, because the reality of it is, if you're a good mauling team, by the time you get set, it's quite hard to stop you sometimes. So the speed at which you defend that is really important. So I think I mentioned to it uh, before the game in the weekend, um, you want to take control of them all within sort of two seconds. Mm. And by control, I mean you need to have the leg, punt, the shoulder punch and leg drive so that they're not in a position to get tight and attack you back. Um, for example, on the weekend against the Brumbies, we went up five minutes from our line and missed it by two centimetres. But by the time he landed, that would had that opportunity to get set and we, were, we didn't quite have enough time to shut that down. And I think with good teams, sometimes that, that that's the risk you take when you go to compete. Um, but I think that for all teams, five minutes from your line, you've got to have pretty clear strategy around what the boys are to do in that role because you, you've, you've got a time trade-off. You've got a very short amount of time by the time their feet hit the ground to when a good morning team will set. And I mean, I look at somebody like the Brumbies, the Crusaders and, and some of the best morning teams and I look at some of the best defence and I still think a lot of it comes out of Super Rugby. Because I, I look overseas and I look at, like, the Lions are outstanding. But I look at the English versus Scottish game in the weekend and I saw some of their stuff and they are just big bodies. So they're not, maybe as t- England weren't as tight when they set up Where and Scotland are reaching over the top. Now, I think it depends on what type of, type of team you've got, but you've got to be a pretty big team if you're deciding to throw hands over the top because you've automatically lost the power from your legs. Yeah. Mm. So... Um, if you're a massive team, Lions can do that. Lions can reach over top because have got three other guys that are 130 kgs or whatever thumping you from behind. So I think it's just what system's going to work best for your team and that goes both attack and defence. And you'll probably see against the Reds, we ran a couple of specials front and back of our line out to see if we could catch them defensively around that. Yep. Um, so, Yeah. It'll be, a, it'll be a great test this weekend because the Crusaders love to maul, and uh, my boys are starting to love to defend it.
3: It was kind of quite interesting watching the Brumbies. Their first two mauls, they actually used it pretty quickly off the back before later on they started to maul more and more. The Reds drove a 20 metre all, maul themselves to, to score against the Sunwolves. Uh, would you like to see the Tars more maul, maul yourselves? or Yeah, I think it
1: depends on the position you get yourself in the field. Like I th- we've got good, we've got more zones that we will look to definitely maul from, and and it, it depends where that kick ends up. So sometimes you'll go, right, boys, we want to maul. If we get in this zone, we'll, we'll move from here. So we, we'll, so for example, on the weekend we mauled, we got good leg drive going forward, and then all of a sudden we got stopped. And I think we just with our small steps, we didn't keep them going because we actually probably had a in We had good body height, so I said to our boys, if you just look at our leg drive, you can see that uh, like. There's guys in our team that are brilliant, like Demo's leg drive was outstanding. You can see his legs pumping, small steps, and then, you know, we just got to make sure that all the eight guys involved in that are doing their job in leg driving, and when we do that, we're really strong. Uh, when we don't do that, it, we, we get stopped. So, um, and if you look at the Brumbies versus us, they had a five-meter one, uh, two five-meter ones, and they added, we got, we got them, we started pushing them back, and then they added their 14 in, and we probably needed to end it before they started out in backs in if that makes sense. So we talk about control. We had to take control
2: of that before their back's added in. Um, so, you know, we've just got to get better at that. And you're back at the SCG this weekend, of course, which caused plenty of issues for the, the scrummages uh, last game. I think Sakopi Kepu did some media today and said that adaptability was the, the big key because you're going to be in a slightly different s- surface e- each time. Um, so, yeah, is has that, is that been the... The, the message from you The adaptability And learning on your, on your feet As you have to with scrums
1: Well and that, that that's what we've got to do we, Like whether it be a line out or a scrum We've got to train different scenarios So that the boys can make the decision Pretty fast on field Whether that be a yellow card And we lose you know somebody Whether that be an injury And then Roy O'Connor's playing six um, And, and your line out's dropped down to five men And the same goes for scrums You know um, when we realised Some of the footing was getting lost We needed to compress up So we don't have as big a hit so that we don't lose our feet and we can still stay in shape. So, uh, so Kobe is a master and he loves it. So, you know, we did a lot of work that week leading into that game, and it was a bit frustrating for us around around what was happening there too. Uh, but there's some really good the good parts of the field were the light green parts, and they were really solid. So, and, and the feedback I've had is that you know the whole field now is it's looking pretty good, and I think the final report will come out tomorrow. But They're talking about it being, uh, you know, passing most of all the tests that they're looking at.
0: Uh, Just in terms of, like, all the tests, and obviously they try and simulate that that pressure through the ground in some way before they... Well,
1: apparently, I was getting told today that there's only two firms in Australia that can really pressure test a field and right. one of them came down from Brisbane and they're pressure testing it. And I think uh-huh. preliminary results... It wasn't an NRL
2: scrum, I presume. No, well, right? no.
1: <laughs> slightly different. Uh, I think our, back, our, our rapid-fire backline could throw down an NRL scrum. <laughs> uh, so I, I think, um, yeah, f- f- preliminary results, I think it all comes out tomorrow. I, I'm not sure exactly, but it, it's sounding to me like it, it's going to be positive.
0: Right. And, and do you create contingencies around that? Do you actually talk about the fact, okay, wh- what can you do in that situation?
1: Well, like I said, the biggest thing there is probably getting slightly closer on the engage so there's yep. not as big a hit. Um, and it's also, look, I thought that uh, Jacko was really good as a referee in that game around his communication with players. He, yep. The mistake you'd make is um, everyone loses their feet and you go, you know what, I've got to make a 50 50 call here and penalty. So you, I, I think you see enough of that sometimes at, at scrum time where they're just guessing. And what I noticed with the Reds is Jacko actually just paused, hey, fellas, we're just going to move away from here to this location. Can you get a little bit close? And it was quite calm and, and clear with the boys around the comms. And I think like, when the boys came off field, they said, oh, look, we've got clear comms. We, you know, it was clear and precise about what was going on. So.
0: Ball goes to the back. Let's play on. Mm. Play on. <laughs> so that's uh, the Tars and the Crusaders on uh, Saturday night at, at the SCG. And I'm you know, just – Again, our hearts go out to, uh, to everyone in, in Christchurch and just looking forward to, um, to the Crusaders getting back into it. Uh, while we've got you, just quick thought on a couple of other uh, Australian teams. Um, so the Reds got it done late against the Sunwolves. Um, had to have a mighty comeback there. What have you made of the Reds so far? That was their first win of the season. How much upside is there in that team?
1: Oh, look, I think they've – no, no. I look at that side and I think there's a lot of awesome meat Sitting in that group, do you know what I mean? Like they've got, a, like they've got a. I think there's massive upside to that Reds team, and 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 like every team in Australia. But that Reds team, I think they've got a, a big upside. I think there's a lot of guys in that squad who are, are can be the. You know, some of the they've moved themselves into the Wallabies team. There's a few Wallabies in there that are leading. I think they've got a really good mix. I don't. I know people talk about them being young and and different stuff, but I look at that side and think they're pretty pretty sharp. Mm. When you name their one to the 23 and you look across their lists, there's, there's some real positive stuff in that group. And I think they'll I think they'll get better.
3: The, clearly they're young at, at 9, 10 and, and 15 particularly. Um, uh, but they've got a couple of internationals out in the, on the wings there with Chris Powell, and yep. Seven Ivalu. Question though, the the, the You've got youngsters like Isaac Luzic and uh, Hamish Stewart who have been kind of rotated in and out and played at 10 and 15 and so forth. Similarity with Mac Mason who hasn't played a lot of rugby for a couple of years. What do you, what, what do you keep saying to someone like Mac who keeps rocking up at training and you're stuck behind a player like Bernard? Well, I think, and for me in the
1: forwards, it's a similar message around some of the, our, our boys. For me, it's about when the door opens, be ready. Because the door does open. Like, if you look at last year uh, for Will Miller, the door opened for him to go to blindside and then Hoops went down, he went to open side, And, and you know, you look talk about Bernard Foley or Michael Hooper, it's a similar scenario. When the door opened, Will Miller sprinted through it. So I think the key message for those young guys is to go, well, at some stage this door's going to be open. Mm. So when it is, make sure you can sprint through it because if you walk through it, it'll close pretty quickly mm. and, and that's reality of professional sport. If you walk through that door, bang closed you're back on you know you're back on the bench. so I think the big message for those guys is just train so that when that door opens, you're ready to go and and Max probably one of those players who at some stage soon that door will open and he will run through it um in regards to the reds with with their boys i I can see that they're trying to change them and now i'm just not I'm not sure. Are they looking for the right person, or I'm not? I'm not sure. It's hard when they change that game manager mm. a lot because you lose cohesiveness, and you see that. Like I, I'm a big believer in cohesiveness around positions. You want to play them in a good block. So um, if you're changing them every week or two, that can be quite challenging for the guys around that position. So
3: good signs though with Lucas, I think particularly played played very well and sure it's get best game for some time too.
2: Yeah, uh, yeah, crucial. When obviously it was nice to see them singing the, the team song. A few of them needed the, the sheet in their, the change room to yeah. remind themselves of the lyrics. It's been a little while, but you know, yeah, obviously great to see. And it, I was talking before in the office, like the the, the, the Sunwolves. Um, there are issues around them, but it, in terms of a competition, entertainment, barely every game they play is an absolute cracker. It probably gave you heart palpitations watching it. But they they do add some value from just the, the, the way they play. It's 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 great to watch, isn't it?
1: Oh, I think that look, the they get. I think they got a great. Coaching staff, I think they're very innovative, so you, you, you know they will throw something you're not expecting. Um, and they've got some outstanding players in that group. Like, I, I don't think we can underestimate the class that some of those players have, they are good players and they will fight you to the 83rd minute. So, if you go out there thinking you're not going to go to war for 83 minutes, then You'll lose.
2: How are you feeling about the state of the Australian conference? That obviously the Rebels losing kind of Kept it congested, and then the Reds winning as well um, keeps them afloat. Um, are you feeling okay about where you are? It's just so crucial to win that conference and book that that home final, isn't it? A long a long way to go, but yeah. Look, I
1: think our mentality can only be you know what we what we can control, rather than you know the Rebels or the Reds or the or the Brumbies. We've got to make sure we, like you mentioned, making sure we're better at the things we need to get better at between Saturday to Saturday. So what's critical for us to perform better and hold that position. So um, we've got to focus on doing what we do first and then the rest takes care of itself. I, I think if you start to focus on those things too much, you know, that's where you get yourself in trouble.
2: You've played a couple of derbies, though. Do you feel that the – I mean, the feeling has been pretty optimistic in Australian rugby. Do you feel there's been some, some small strides made from last season across the board in and, and the Aussie Super?
1: Yeah, I can definitely see that. And you, and you see it when you're seeing um, them play week on week against other teams as well, like some of the New Zealand sides. See, so, you know, Brumbies and Chiefs and, and even the Reds Crusaders. You can see that there's – you can – Going into a World Cup year, there's a, you look at players and you go, oh, there's a good position that he could play. You, you know, you're starting to create some depth around some of those key positions and a lot of experience. So I think I think Australian is in a great spot. I, I think there's an enormous upside coming into a World Cup year with the teams and players that they have. Um, now it's just about making sure we get it right and doing our best.
0: Well, thankfully, um, you're not alone. I mean, the, the viewing numbers over the first month or so have been really healthy. So maybe there is a a change in the conversation, been, a change in the You've sentiment. been wearing a nice shirt or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah that's, that's what it is. That's what they tune in for. So you got to give them what they want, don't you? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. right, yeah. something yeah. like that. That's what you do want. Um, Thanks very much for for popping in. Um, it's uh, it, it's so good to have access to you guys, and and we got another masterclass there as well. So uh, look forward to the next time, Simon Cron. A pleasure. And, and you're not
2: um, off home to cook dinner, are you? You're doing some more rugby training tonight. Is that, is that right? Yeah, yeah, I am actually. That's
1: why I was saying to, uh, to Christy, I got to take off, and uh, I'm going to a shoot shield club and doing a bit of work with those guys tonight, or, or watching their coaches and give them feedback.
2: So after promising
1: your wife you'd give up
2: rugby a few years ago, you're, you're doing a pretty <laughs> good, doing a pretty good job of it.
1: Well, we just told her that. I'm I'm going there She doesn't know that yet So, all oh,
0: right, Excellent <laughs>
1: It's always good Just to say when I'm still at work But uh, yeah. Oh no I look forward to it like Getting down on the grass again And getting back With some of those guys And, and um, some of those guys Are coaching the Rays I'll go and see it At Manly Training So no I look forward to it Alright
0: And I can tell you That Mrs Cron Is an avid Fox Rugby Podcast listener Avid, avid. 100% She loves
1: hearing my voice yeah. <laughs> Not Thanks Crony. <Connie. laughs> Cheers Thanks That's guys awesome.
0: To the Fox Rugby podcast. How good was it to catch up with Simon Cron? Listen to him all day, another masterclass from him. So uh, we thank Simon Cron for for joining us on the Fox Rugby podcast. Our next guest, well, we should really credit him for making this podcast what it is today. Come on, let's
3: not go that far. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Bloody
3: hell. Don't burn me without Rugby.
0: (laughs) Uh,
4: Stephen Hoyles, how are you? I'm good, thanks, guys. How are you? Good. Hey, where where are you at the moment? I'm just down the park at you, Nick. i am mm-hmm. um got my my eldest son. He's entering a cross-country event at school and he's I'm taking my sevens, coaching frustration. Right.
0: I'm running running laps for his <laughs> 2K time trial next week. Is this something that he wanted to do or or competitive <laughs> father
2: told him he, he had to do?
4: Nothing. The kids get to say in this stuff, do they? What the <laughs> are you <laughs> your kids to, Nick? Now, this is, uh, these are my dreams that he's, he's living and falling out. <laughs> <Yeah.
2: laughs> what are we looking at, mate? Are we looking at a future Wallabies, sevens player, Kathy Freeman? How, uh, how's he tracking?
4: Gen- genetically, he's challenged like me. He's got the skinny long legs. Um, so there's going to be a, a lot of effort needed. But I think he's got the right attitude. So time will tell. Yeah. Uh, how old's Archie? He's eight. Right. And bald already? <laughs> No, no, he's not sitting either. He sorry. turns nine. That happens at about mid-30s. <laughs> oh, okay, sorry. Yeah. My about mistake. the same time you started the colouring. <laughs> yeah <laughs> That's good. Uh, yeah.
3: All right. We got a question. For so staff. yeah, what's the
2: what's the point of all? <laughs> Stephen Hawes? We we've That's brought you in talk. We brought you in to talk a bit of uh, sevens. Um, Rumour has it um, we we haven't seen any evidence of this, but you're, you're coaching the Aussie sevens team, aren't you? You're, you're helping. I'm
4: assisting coach. Yeah. All <laughs> oh, right. As yeah.
2: as well as uh, Sean Maloney's tour guy. But in, in all seriousness, how, how have you found the experience so so far, Hawsey, Are You enjoying getting involved on the on the front line, so to speak?
4: Yeah, I, I am really enjoying it. I, I, um, I've not really done any coaching at this professional level at all. I did a little bit at Clubland when I was injured for those few years, going back five or six years ago now. Um, and I've coached my little boy's footy side as well, quite unsuccessfully for a couple of years. But um, I'm, I'm enjoying the professional side of it. We're not getting the results that are after. And I think the competitive nature and everyone comes out when you're not getting those results. So I'm probably enjoying the challenge of trying to work out why we're not getting those results and then how we can improve on those results it's um it is always a challenge
0: what's your what's your take on that then at the moment i mean you're coming off well i won't won't sort of dress it up it was a disappointing result in vancouver so what's your take on what's really missing at the moment for the for the men's sevens team
4: yeah look i'm not not one for trying to hide where we're at like getting ninth in the world is really disappointing for us we had a you know, good undefeated day two, but we're playing against nations that we sh- on day two in that second tier cup that you should win comfortably, and we did. But our problem has always been trying to keep really consistent on day one, and, and then most importantly, putting ourselves in a position to come out first game on day two and, and firing. And we're not doing that. So uh, I think there's my first initial assumption was I think the history of the sevens everyone kind of thinks it's a young man's game because it's so challenging on your body, you've got to be so resilient. But I I'm probably now of the belief that it's it's not a young man's game. I think you, you certainly want to have some young players in your team, but the sides that are successful are the mature sides, and I think that's probably the evolution of strength and conditioning. The fact that you know having gone through that journey myself, like if if you're in a good strength and conditioning program, which you'd say this day and age, all the, all the top ten countries are, that the mature athlete is probably physically better than they were, at, probably better at the age of twenty eight to thirty two than they were. At Twenty to twenty-eight. So, um, we've, we've probably because of where it sits in the landscape of Australian rugby, we tend to get a lot of young guys on the way up. You know, like looking to go from sevens through to Super Rugby, which I think still has to be a, you know, something that we keep trying to have that pathway for players. But um, in summarising, I, I certainly think we're, we're we're lacking maturity in big moments, and we're probably um, on the hunt for a, a couple of mature players leading into the qualifier. For Oceania, which looks like that's our avenue now to to get qualification for the Olympics. So you get top four in the World Series. We're sitting six. It's going to be really hard to clear our way back to that top four with only four comps to, competitions to go. So we probably need to, um, you know, n- not forget about the top four in the World Series. Still going these next four events and wanting to go as well as you can. But we're going to have one on that Oceania qualification in November in Fiji.
3: Yeah, was it clearly a couple of big-name players, Chucky Stannard, Ed Jenkins going out of the side over the last year or so. Are you able to give us a bit of a heads-up in terms of maybe what type of player, like clearly a mature player and someone maybe a bit older and more experienced, but what type of player that you need to, to strengthen that
4: side? Uh, look, you know, I'll give you an example of a player that I've been impressed with and it's those type of players we need more of. It's been Nick Malouf. He's mm. a guy who probably was in the program as a youngster and, you know, because of a few varying factors, I think he had two knee reconstructions in his first three years in the program. Um, he went to Rio Olympics, but his knee wasn't right. And he then went over and spent a season with the Leicester Tigers in the UK Premiership. He would have played 30 to 40 games up there in one season for Leicester. So that's the equivalent of potentially two, two and a half super rugby seasons here in Australia. And he's come back a far better player. He's, he's by far been our... Our most consistent player on field, how he helps out Lewis Holland, who's the team captain off field. Um, that's the type of player I think we need to we need to develop more of those type of players, and we need to find more of those players. So he's a good example, in my opinion. The strength and conditioning point that you make is interesting, but there's also,
0: you know, just rugby wisdom, isn't there, that comes with being a 28 to, to
4: 32 year old, just um just smarts. Absolutely, and 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 not just smart. It's been really calm under pressure. Like the, the reality of sevens, it's about fifty percent of your games. If you're going to float around that top six, fifty percent of your games will come down to the last play. Mm. And the good teams, and we've we've just gone through all of this after it. We're sort of just going through a half yearly review. The good sides, you know, the Fiji, the New Zealand's, and and now the, the USA, they win about seven to eight out of ten of every one of those, you know, pressure plays. And we're sitting at about four and a half, five out of 10. So we've got to push ourselves into that seven, eight out of 10 on those those pressure moments in big plays. And that's what, you know, you, you don't have to be a third-year-old player to do that. You know, you've seen examples of really mature 22-year-olds that can do that, but maturity is a huge thing. So, um, yeah, it's a, that's the constant sort of thing that I feel like we're trying to chase. We're trying to chase maturity and we're trying to chase balanced performances. And that's why I use Nick Malouf as an example. He might not ever give you a 10 out of 10 performance but he'll never give you a seven. Mm. He'll always give you an eight and, and he'll give you a couple of nines a tournament. And, and we have some guys that have given us tens and that, that same person, you know, game one, day two, which is historically the toughest one to back up from because you saw and you feel sorry for yourself. You've had three games the night before. Um, some of those guys will come out and give you two or three out of ten. And, and that's been the problem for us. I'm
0: trying to find that consistency, and you know, you, I am sure, you are a great sounding board for Tim Walsh. But you know, it must be uh, quite a, a challenging environment for Walsh as well, because it's it, kind of different with the women. He was almost a pioneer with the Australian women and, and took them all the way to an Olympic gold medal. Um, here, I, I imagine some of the challenges that he's facing are, are slightly different and very new to what he would have uh, faced in in the women's program. Is that fair?
4: Yeah, I think he's been lucky enough that he was also sort of the, the interim coach for the men's a couple of occasions over the sort of six or eight years. So he has spent a bit of time with the men's program. But yeah, they they're almost you almost can't compare the squad that he had with the women because he went out and found all these you know Elliot Greens mm-hmm. running track, and he got Chloe Dalton who was playing basketball, and Charlotte Kazik who had a who had a middle distance background with a bit of touch footy, and Emily Cherry who was a touch footy superstar. So he kind of went out on this you know. Road trip to find these, you know, high quality girls, and he—it's a remarkable story in itself. So he—he's certainly really frustrated, but I've really enjoyed working with him. I think as he as a young coach, you want to learn from someone who's who's experienced, and I think he's he's had plenty of experience on the circuit as a player, and he's had plenty as a, as a coach. And also, wanted to go when the opportunity arose to to get involved in coaching was I know that um, if I were to go into a club level type coaching or a super rugby sort of type of a assistant coach I don't think you get enough time to really review review yourself as a coach in between games because you live and die by the result on the weekend before you've got to turn it around on Monday you're basically under the pump you know from Monday to Friday working on the weekend that you've just played and you've got another game whereas this one you know we go really busy for two weeks and then we get a lot of time in between to to not only for the players to you know, regenerate, but for coaches to assess what they're doing right and assess what they're doing wrong. So I really like the fact that I'm, I'm working with a coach that's experienced he's won a gold medal at the Olympics and uh, I feel like it's a good way of learning the coaching game.
2: Horsey, Ezra Falau has come out and expressed his uh, desire to to potentially play sevens at the Olympics and that's clearly a a huge carrot for I'm sure lots of Wallabies would like to have a crack at it what's your feeling having been up close in person and we know that the two games are so different now but clearly an athlete like like Izzy could do amazing things on a sevens field what's your feel on whether that would actually add value whether that's a good idea how many players could could potentially make the switch
4: Yeah look I think a guy like Izzy and... and the, the irony about this one is there's been no conversations between his and the sevens. That was, you know, just his, him speaking at a, a press conference or an interview last week. So it was, it was nice to hear that. I, I think a play like that would absolutely like that would be a player you, you you really want a guy like Israel Flair in your squad, but you want, you want him on your terms and you, you don't want to be able to, have a deal where he's here, there and everywhere for the whole season and he's in or, or he's out. I think if we're going to get guys that are Wallabies at the World Cup later this year, if, if they're interested in the campaign in 2020, I, I do believe that, you know, if, if we, I reckon there's probably space for three to four, you know, maybe five in your squad max, but those guys out of those, say you take four, say you've got four super rugby slash Wallaby players, I think you've got to have at least three of them from December 1 all the way through to July 15 or 20, whenever the Olympics is on. So you've got to have them in your program the whole time. So essentially, you're asking people to give up a super rugby campaign if they're going to want to go to that Olympics, um, all hoping we qualify, of course.
2: Give us your dream wish list if you could pluck three or four 15s uh, players.
4: Okay, dream wish wish list. Um, look, I think for Léo's on that, if you look at his key attributes, like the restarts in, in sevens are so important. For his ability to win his own kick off and other people's kick offs is just it puts him above everyone else. Um, that, that's that's just the strength of its own. I think his his ability to be able to draw in defenders. He's probably not going to be a guy that would play. Like well, it almost definitely say he won't be playing 14 minutes a game because it's so challenging. But um, as an impact player, I think he'd be outstanding. I think there's also room for If you look at the best players, best teams in the world, like I look at uh, England, have a player named Tom Mitchell. Uh, he's your, he's the guy that gets twenty touches a game, he's your sweeper in defence, kind of that Chucky Stannard role, like he, he doesn't miss any tackles, he he's controlling the game, he's ruthless at the breakdown. Um so that's a, a five eight, a ten twelve type player. So that's a if you're thinking over the, the tens that Australian rugby've had over the years, that's your your Beric Barnes, your your Bernard Foley's those type of players. So those those guys need to be considered. And then a guy you're also looking for players that have been in the program previously that's going to make the whole transition back to seven so much easier so Sean McMahon or Liam Gill like one of those guys would be, be really handy and, and, a, and a speedster so we had Rod Davies come to Hong Kong I mean sorry come to Vancouver with us unfortunately he got injured on um, game three day one but he's just got so he trained with us for two weeks he's a Western Force player at the moment and every time the guys are all wearing GPS of course and he's always half a second a metre quicker than anyone else so yeah. like a Rod Davies or a Luke Moraghan I think Luke Morian was won a bronze medal in the Commonwealth Games team about seven, five six years ago. Mm. So um, they're the type of guys you, you've got that you that you're looking at. Hey,
0: Just before we go on, can you tell Archie you can stop running now, poor little bugger? Just <laughs> just going round
4: and round and round. No, I'll tell him to stop when he starts throwing up, Nick. That's when he'll stop. That's the one stop. Don't tell other people how to parent, me. Nick. Jeez. Winner, sorry, winners find a way. Losers make excuses. <laughs>
0: Oh, sorry. Go on, Archie. I take that personally. Dig deep, Archie. Dig <laughs> deep. I didn't
3: mean you, Nick. I never
4: said you. I just said losers <laughs> don't always assume I'm talking about you when I say
3: that. Well, was he good to have you on, mate. Yeah, thanks, boys. All the best. What's uh, what's cast.
4: what's I happening Friday? Year.
3: What's happening Friday
0: night? Kick on, kick off.
4: Yeah, what's I think going Justin on? Justin Harrison's coming on the show Friday night for the kick on. Is he? Goody. A, uh, what? What can? Whenever uh, someone mentions Justin Harrison in kick on, I get really worried. Look, <laughs> so uh, well, there's a few TV cameras in his face, so hopefully he's
0: um pretty tame. I know he, we, we had him for a podcast a few weeks ago. He was uh, he was very very good. Told a few
4: yarns. Yeah. He's a funny man. I think it'll be good to get some old funny
0: yarns. Well done, Halsey. Uh, thanks for thanks for uh, coming on and uh, say goodnight, Arch, for us. Thanks, guys. All the best. Bye. So. Bye. Thanks, man. Stephen Hoyle's joining us on the Fox Rugby podcast. And if you read between the lines there, he's talking about, you know, he didn't want to start coaching a uh, in club land or, or super rugby team. He wanted to start coaching in, in sevens on must have a chat with him about what his aspirations are. I didn't. Only uh, occurred to me just moments ago. I wonder. Wonder what the aspirations.
2: I reckon it's just a clever piece of um, career play there from Halsey. of fun. Uh, you know, next time his big lucrative Fox Sports contract comes
0: up, he'll be able to say, "Oh, you know, I'm See? a pretty,
2: I'm a pretty good coach as well," yep. and play one off against each other. But no, he'd, in all seriousness, he uh, he could clearly go down that path if he wanted to.
0: Yep. No, you talk to uh, to anyone involved in rugby, and uh, he knows the game uh, so better rugby than clubs most
3: want him. I think. Yeah,
0: exactly right. Um, just quickly, when we had Simon Cronin we didn't really talk about the Rebels all that much. That was a crazy game on uh, early Sunday morning, our time. Uh, it's so crazy the that there
3: was twenty penalties to the Lions or against the Rebels, and only one against the Lions. Yep. That's how crazy
0: it was. Yeah, and I mean, I know you watched it. I, I sat up and watched it. I got to admit, the, the vast majority of those penalties were definitely there for the Rebels the Issue comes that you know, surely there must have been more than one that the Lions gave away.
3: Yes, and no, I, I the tries the Rebels scored just came off the back of beautiful set piece play. Basically, within one or two phases, they were scoring tries, so really the Lions didn't have to do too much because yeah. the Rebels just kept on scoring for a lot of it, actually. So, I think that's the long and the short of it, really. But you do have to raise your eyebrows a little bit for 20 to 1. I think. Perhaps it brings up some leadership questions. At what time point in time do the the rebels' players? I think Dane Hale and Petty went up to Egan's seconds just once. Uh, he actually got called over and kind of was almost was just saying, "Oh, you know, pleading that he doesn't send someone else off for a yellow card." So, whether or not a more experienced leader would go up there and try to assert his authority a little bit earlier, maybe plant a seed, going, "Hey, look, you've you've just given fourteen penalties against us and only one to them." Yeah,
0: Will Genia was being. Pretty chatty throughout.
3: At, only yeah. at the end though, I think. So in, interesting though, but clearly the Rebels would be terribly disappointed with with, uh, with that defeat, 33-5 winning after 43 minutes and then to go down with the last kick of the game. That, that's, that's a game that they, they should have got four points from.
2: Yeah, an interesting test of their mental resolve. Um, never won in South Africa and clearly they they geared themselves up. They gave themselves a great opportunity to do that. Having not done that now, you know, that will take them a, a couple of days with all the travel involved as well to to dust themselves off. But, um yeah, it... it Tightens up that Australian conference uh, even more, and it's yeah pretty rare you get a weekend where that's where the Reds as well, but that where that's not the the craziest game of rugby um, going on. But that Scotland England was was something else, wasn't it? That was just 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 ridiculous. Uh, you you were going a bit delirious uh, through the night trying to watch all this rugby, Christy. Talk us through. You were telling us about your dreams before, but but what did you make of the rugby in between the the dreams? Yeah,
0: let's not going to. The...
3: Yeah, we weren't <laughs> going into the dreams. Who knows where that were end? But cle- clearly, Wales, uh, how good were they? And just. Uh, Look, you've got to pay tribute really to Alan wynne Jones, like the the captain of, of Wales, a British and Irish line. But seriously, he was immense, and he's a bloke at Gareth Anscombe at ten. Jonathan Davies, his uh, fans, Australian rugby fans, have got to start watching Wales because certainly they're, they're they're now up to number two in the in the world rugby rankings. We'll be playing them in early October, uh, so lots to look forward to. England though, they'll be. Terribly frustrated, Eddie Jones will be privately seething, even though he's saying that it was a lesson learnt um, by going off the boil. And you want to be, you know, losing these ones now and not come the World Cup. Well, the other thing was, so just
0: for for those who haven't caught up with it, it was um, England led thirty one nil, and then Scotland scored just before half time, so thirty one seven, and then Scotland scored thirty. 30- Eight won. unanswered points. Yeah, you know, that's right, 31, yeah. Unanswered, 31 unanswered points after halftime to make it 38-31 and then after full-time...
3: George Ford goes over. Goes Under-
0: over, converted try, 38-all. It was remarkable. But found some of the commentary around it interesting because Eddie Jones is saying he's going to get a, uh, a psychologist in to, to work with the team and and a lot of people are, are saying, well, hang on, you've got to stop... You've got to stop talking about the scars of 2015. There's like four or five players remaining. It's, it's got nothing to do with 2015. It's not anything to do with the old regime. Whatever's happening with this side, if there is a, a, a soft underbelly, you you got to look in your own backyard. That that was some of the comments coming out of uh, the story that the the psychologist was going to be employed.
2: Yeah, he's already got a cast of thousands um, working up there with him, dozen, and he doesn't. You never know how much of this stuff is kind of mind games or what what's really going on. But yeah, the
3: it is the third capitulation though. Two yep, against South Africa last yep. June, and, and, and the
2: knives coming out for Joe Schmidt of all people as well, even from some of the Irish juno. So it's just yeah, it's amazing how how fickle this job is. But it, it has uh, I guess reignited the debate around who the World Cup favorite are and what, which coach is going to go where after the World Cup. Just so many ramifications. I see that uh, looking at the odds today for the World Cup, England are still second favourites and then Ireland, I think, third and then Wales behind that. So, yeah, the the bookmakers are still giving Eddie's England a, a huge shot here. The
3: turnaround yeah. of Ireland, though, does, it does show, and, and even England to an extent as well, uh, that teams can rapidly improve and decline. So, although the sure. Wallabies were horrible last year... And you wonder yeah. how
2: much foxing is going on, how much... Teams are holding back for the World Cup, which obviously is the the big prize. You'd have to you'd have to think um, they are holding some things back, the likes of Joe Schmidt and. Cohen.
0: Are you suggesting the Wallabies were holding back for most of <laughs> last year, Sammy? Is that what you?
2: Oh, I'm not. Get, I'm not getting into any of these match fixing <laughs> plans,
0: mate. That's that's another. No. Story. no and, that, and that is certainly not what I was suggesting. <laughs> so um, so
3: we we also we spoke last week that we would be having Raylene Castle come on the the show, and and that's still to come ahead. Of, she's just been around the states for the last couple of days, so. Looking forward to speaking to her at some point in time on the podcast.
0: Absolutely, and uh, and keep those questions uh, coming on on social media and and the comments section in the, in the podcast on iTunes. Absolutely. How did I go? All right. Is that all right?
2: That's very good. Yeah. Steve Lenthal's got his uh, carrier pigeon sent up from Canberra yeah. as well, so the the questions are flooding in.
0: Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, I think that just about does it. Big thanks to Simon Cronin and Stephen Hoyles and for Archie for being so patient today. Gents, thank you for your company and thank you for your company on the Fox Rugby Podcast.